So when I, was a, uh, when I was a kid, we always did this little thing. I kind of shared this with the youth group this summer. We always did this little thing, and we would just try to annoy one of my friends, younger brothers, with it. You know how you see something that's it's pretty big, far away, and then, but you can fit it in between your, your fingers like this, and like I'm squishing, squishing Brett there. Yeah, have you guys ever done that before, where you see something far away, and you can hold it in between your fingers? And, um, and when I was a kid, we used to do that with the arch as we were... As we, you know, there's some things that you can't quite do that to, whether it's Will's hair or whatever the case may be. But, um, but we see, as I was driving across the, you know, the bridge, we'd see that with the arch, and we knew we were going there, so we'd, we'd squash the arch, then we'd get up next to it, and that thing is just massive. And, and as little kids, it's even, it's even bigger, and, and there's no way. I mean, we can stand there with our arms, and you still can't, still can't squash it. We used to do that with my, my friend's younger brother. Man, it just made him so mad. Stop squishing me! Um, there's something about you know, being, being closer to those big items and you, just, and you just can't do that. You realize the enormity that, that they have, those buildings, the arch. Back in, uh, you know, one of my favorite stories to read growing up was um, about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys were really neat to me because it was their friend, Daniel, that actually appointed them to be administrators in Babylon. And Daniel, we know about, what we know about Daniel was that he was a man of prayer. Not quite yet, Jeannie. Um, he was a man of prayer. In fact, that's how, he, that's how he kind of got thrown into the lion's den because he was, he was praying. He wouldn't stop praying whenever there was a decree made to only pray to King Darius at the time. And so these guys were, were friends with Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar made a massive statue. 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, made of gold. And any time that there was a... a you know, loud instruments played. Everybody from around, you know, that could hear it, that could see it, was supposed to stop what they were doing and bow down and worship the statue, bow down and worship the king. Well, I mean, these guys being who they were, they didn't do that. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they just, I don't know if they just stood there, but word got back to Nebuchadnezzar. That these Jews, some of the Jews, not all of them, but these men were not doing that. And it made King Nebuchadnezzar furious. He called them into his throne room and, and he talked to them and he basically tried to give them another chance. He tried to tell them, hey, guys, if you don't do this, we are going to throw you in to the furnace and you're going to die. And I love their response. The response right here in Daniel chapter 3 says, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. 
And you can just imagine King Nebuchadnezzar's response. He fired up that furnace seven times hotter than what it normally was. They bound up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And even the men that were throwing them into the fire died. And then, and then King Nebuchadnezzar saw it. He saw these three guys walking around and, and there was a fourth who he said looked like a son of the gods. And he came out, called them out, and, um, and they gave praise to God. And they said, and King Nebuchadnezzar said, nobody will worship any other God except for the God that these men worship. This past few weeks, we've been talking about prayer. Very simple question. What, what is prayer? would like for you to respond. I've preached a few times in here and, and a little bit different. I, I, want, I need your response. It allows the length of the sermon to be a little longer so it doesn't seem like I didn't prepare. What, <laughs> what is prayer? Conversation. Intimacy. What else? No wrong answers. What is prayer? Meditation. So we've been talking about prayer and what, and, and what it is in our lives. All these things that you're saying, that's exactly, those were the words that, that I came up with. But another question came into my mind is, why do we pray? So why do we pray? If we know what prayer is, it's conversation, it's meditation, it's intimacy, why do we pray? What was that? To praise God. Acknowledge who He is. He answers. Absolutely, He does. Ask for help, peace and comfort, relationships, wisdom. Pray for others. Yeah, we lift others before God. Forgiveness. That was Jerry. <laughs> Praise him. Thanks. Be in his presence. There's a lot of reasons that we come before God. A lot of reasons we come before God. As Jesus is, is preaching his first sermon, he had just gotten done with his apostles and, and um, going over the, you know, what we call the Beatitudes. He sits down and he starts you know, the Sermon on the Mount. And here he's telling them all about, um, you know, it's not just murder, it's calling somebody fool, don't even do that. It's not just about committing adultery, it's about looking lustfully at somebody. He's going through kind of the the new expectations of following him. You know, this is, these are his guidelines. And then in chapter six, Jesus gets to prayer. Here's what he says about it. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, 
and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. A big part of prayer is reminding ourselves whose story we are really a part of. These guys that Jesus was talking about, the hypocrites, they were the ones that were at the center of their stories. They wanted a reward, and they got it. They got their reward. Their reward was to be seen by others, to be praised by others, maybe even to be feared by others because of their words, because of how they prayed, because of maybe the perceived closeness that they had with God that they didn't have. But as we talked about, prayer draws us in to who God is. If we pray the way that, that Jesus described right there, listen to that again. It says, but when you pray, this is verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Now, I don't know about you, but, but going out onto the street corner or going downtown and, and just boasting prayers, that's not really the way that I look to show people that I am one with God, that I know, I know who God is. That's not really what we do anymore. That's not my temptation. Our temptation looks a whole lot different to show others our relationship with God. You know, maybe for, for me, I think for ministers, it's kind of easy to point out. It's easy to see. You know, with some ministers, maybe it's our temptation is to have more people in the audience, to be invited to speak other places, to, to be praised as soon as we come down. That is a real temptation. Whenever I, whenever I prepare for Sunday mornings in worship, there's a long time where when I got down, I wanted to hear, and that was, that was good today, Jeremy. I needed that this morning. I needed that song this morning. I appreciate your prayer this morning, Jeremy. I could never live up to what I had in my head, though. The praise was never enough because I always felt extremely empty. Like I was chasing after something I just couldn't catch. As we go for bigger numbers in here, for people, you know, you being the person that, that people come to for, for help, for prayers, that, that builds us up. And, and if we do not find our solace, our hope, our joy in the Lord, then none of that 
is ever going to fill us up. None of that is ever going to, to make us feel the way that we, we hope that it will. But we're getting, our, we're getting that reward of being seen. We're getting that reward of, of being recognized. See, the way that Jesus starts out that prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is with adoration. Adoration lifts us out of ourselves to see the wonder and the glory that is God. You know, I never used to start out my prayers that way. I never used to start out um, you know, my, my prayers with, God, you are good. Or, or look at the way he says it. You know, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It was God, thanks for today. Thanks for my family. Thanks for all that you've done for me. Thanks for your love. I might get to it eventually. I found adoration to be hard because I didn't always know what to, I didn't always know what to say. I'm just talking to God, and, and so how, how can I do that? Have any of you ever felt that to be something difficult to do is just to tell God who he is? And why are we telling God who he is anyways? He knows. It's because God knows our hearts. He knows who we are and he knows what we need. And being able to express that, it reminds, it's like it's something inside. It reminds us who it is that we are right there communing with, who it is that we are forming a relationship with the God of the universe. If you ever have problems with that, start out your prayer just by reading Psalms. Some of the, one of the Psalms, Psalm 145 says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord Almighty, worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Imagine starting your prayers off like that. It changes a little bit. It, it refocuses what we're talking about. So a lot of times, even my thankful prayers, which are good, but even times my thankful prayers center around me. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that we've got to recognize who God is. We've got to see who God is before we can spend time on ourselves and, and what he's blessed us with. That's a big part of prayer is recognizing who God is. And like we said before, remember when I talked about squishing the, 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 those big buildings? As we get closer to them, we realize that we, we, they kind of put us in our place. We spend time with God and who he is, not the God that we have created in our mind, not the God that we want to come to whenever we just need something, not the God at, at, at dinner time whenever we say our prayers or nighttime whenever we say our prayers then and thank him for the day. But whenever we come before God and recognize who he is, and that puts us in our place, doesn't it? We are reminded that the story is not about us. But that God wants us to look to him. God wants us to play a role in his story. And that role is to shine a light 
on who he is. That role is to shine a light on the God of the universe, the God that has saved us, the God that has brought us together. And that's really easy to get lost whenever we don't spend time with him. Whenever we aren't on our knees praying and quiet. You know, I wanted to come up here. I was telling Laura yesterday that you know, I, one of the hardest things to do for this lesson for me was not to come in here and ask, why don't you pray more? I've tried not to guilt people whenever I preach. <laughs> why don't you pray more? I think a big reason that I didn't want to ask that question is because I would have to spend the next 25, 30 minutes up here explaining to you why I don't pray more. And why I need to. There's a children's story that I love. It's by Max Lucado called You Are Special. It's a story about this group of people, these wooden, wooden people, puppets, um, called the Wemmicks. And these Wemmicks, they go about, they live in this nice little land, and they go about putting stars, putting stickers on each other. Some stars meaning, hey, we look at you and you are awesome. Or dots. We look at you, and we don't see that much. And they go around doing this, and, dot, and if you trip, oh, there's a, there's a dot right there. Or maybe you do a great dance, you sing a great song. Oh, everybody around you is going to get a star. And there was this dude named Punchinello, and Punchinello was, uh, was just this dot-filled uh, wooden boy. Couldn't do anything right. He'd trip and he'd get some stars. He'd try to sing and it'd be awful and, he, or, and he'd get another dot. All he wanted was to be looked at with approval by, by the people around him. He just, he just wanted that star to be on him. Maybe just one would stick to him. And then one day he noticed a, uh, a girl walking by as is the case with, with wooden people. And um, noticed a, a girl walking by, and she didn't have any stars or dots, and he couldn't, he didn't know what was going on. And he walked up to her and said, why don't you have any stars and dots? Or You look great. And so he, or she took Punchinello up to see their, their maker, their creator, the guy who carved him, the wood carver, his name was Eli. And she just said, Punchinello, I want you to spend a little time with Eli. I'll be expecting you. And no, it's probably not normal, but I want to read just a little bit of this story to you right now. Punchinello walked up the narrow path to the top of the hill and stepped into the big shop. His wooden eyes widened at the size of everything. The stool was as tall as he was. He had to stretch on his tiptoes to see the top of the workbench. A hammer was as long as his arm, and Puccinello swallowed hard. I'm not staying here, and he turned to leave. And then he heard his name. Puccinello? The voice was deep and strong, and he stopped. Puccinello, how good to see you. Come, let me have a look at you. 
Guncinello turned slowly and looked at the large bearded craftsman. You know my name? The little mimic asked. Of course I do. I made you. Eli stooped down and picked him up and set him on the bench. Hmm, the maker spoke thoughtfully as he looked at the gray dots. Looks like you've been given some bad marks. I didn't mean to, Eli. I really tried hard. Oh, you don't need to defend yourself to me, child. I don't care what other Wemmicks think. You don't? No, and you shouldn't either. Who are they to give you stars or dots? They're Wemmicks just like you. What they think doesn't matter, Punchinello. All that matters is what I think, and I think you're pretty special. Punchinello laughed. Me? Special? Why? I can't walk fast. I can't jump. My paint is peeling. Why do I matter to you? Eli looked at Punchinello, put his hand on those small wooden shoulders, and spoke very slowly. Because you're mine. That's why you matter to me. Punchinello had never had anyone look at him like this, much less his maker. He didn't know what to say. Every day I've been hoping you'd come, Eli explained. I came because I met someone who had no marks, said Punchinello. I know, she told me about you. Why don't the stickers stay on her? The maker spoke softly, because she has decided that what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you care about their stickers. I'm not sure I understand. Eli smiled. You will, but it will take time. You've got a lot of marks. For now, just come to see me every day and let me remind you how much I care. Eli lifted Punchinello off the bench and set him on the ground. Remember, Eli said as the Wemmick walked out the door, you are special because I made you and I don't make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop, but in his heart he thought, I think he really means it. And when he did, a dot fell to the ground. We come before God in prayer to remember who he is and that adoration that we give him lifts us to a completely different place. Reminds us that the God we serve is bigger than the marks that you have. They're bigger than your story. Because your story is a part of his. All the stuff that keeps you from, from coming here. All the stuff that keeps people at arm's length from you and really seeing who you are because how could they love you if they knew who you were? The stuff that keeps us really from going before God. 
That's the stuff that God wants to tell us. I don't care about what other people think about you. I made you and you are mine. Because we all have our story. We all have the marks. But we all have a God who loves us anyways. We have a God that loves us because he made us. My challenge to to you is to go before God this week. You don't need to ask for anything. You don't need to say anything even. If you just want to go before him, read his scripture, read his word to him that reminds you of who he is. But God is constantly asking us to spend time with him. That's it. Spend time with him this week. Be a person that, that goes into your room. Some people set up a closet to do this. We're not doing this to be seen by anybody. We're not doing it so you can tell you know, me or tell anybody else that this is what you're doing. You're doing this because you know you need to be closer with God because you want to get to know who God is. Remember, prayer is about reminding ourselves whose story we are really a part of. I'm going to...